This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. There's nothing wrong with the capitalism. Yeah, there isn't anything wrong with capitalism, although there certainly could be tweaks to the system. I mean, we're believers in capitalism, but we could potentially do it better. (laughs) Perfect topic to talk about, considering uh, our focus on MBA programs this week about how business schools can really help restore trust in capitalism. Well-known voice in the world of finance and economics. Joining us in our Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studio, Anat Edmati, Professor of Finance and Economics at Stanford Graduate School of Business, based, of course, in California, but here in New York. So nice to see you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. uh, You know, before we got going, we said, Jason and I were talking with you, saying we've been having some high-level conversations uh, with folks on Wall Street and the investment community, they are aware of a lot of things, the inequalities in our society, taking a look at you know the responsibilities of uh, Wall Street and the financial community. Tell us a little bit about uh, your writing recently. Well, I got involved in this figuring out what's going on with the financial system after the financial crisis. And right. it's, uh, it's where I first started questioning my uh, own assumptions and our assumptions, both in the teaching and in the research that we do about you know what it takes to be successful and the assumption that where you're successful in those metrics, you know, stock price is high, you know, profit, right. that that is somehow it per, you know, Milton Friedman, then you're doing your social responsibility. And maybe, maybe not quite, maybe while you do that, you actually end up undermining the things that Milton Friedman assumed were in place, which is uh, the the competitiveness of markets, the no fraud and deception, all of those things. And assuming people would do the ethical right things to get to that, you know, pushing up the the stock price, right? That would do the right thing along the way. Well, he assumes the rules of society <laughs> as embodied in the law and in, in the ethical customs uh, are all that you else you need and right. competit- competition, which somehow comes about. And one of the things that you bring up in, in a piece, and we'll, we'll tweet it out so folks can see it, is that we seem to have lost a bit of civic engagement in, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, that companies are not maybe as attached or not just attached, but certainly not embedded in their communities the way that they once were. Why? Well... I mean, it, it, it comes, I actually emphasize the the bad word in the business community and the sort of bad rap that governments get. Now, governments fail, but we have to ask why. Yeah. So, so my, the civic mindedness is really about engaging in who sets rules. The rules can be set in the private markets through, you know, terms of service or whatever other promises you make that you'll be good to your customers or or whatever you know whatever legal contractual or implicit other ways reputation wise that you say I'll, I'll be good or I am good or I'm donating to this or whatever I'm doing and then we somehow think well you know the rest if, if, if I don't have incentives to do that then you know the government will take care of it but we either malign the government or actually undermine the government and that's part of being successful in business is the paradox of it What's the balance, though, not? And I, I hear what you're saying that you mean government has a role in oversight. I think about well, the how generic do you drug contracts. Story how do you enforce right. contracts? How do you actually make any market work? So this notion of free market somehow arising well, in nature. What is the balance between government oversight and free markets? Like, th- take big technology right now that we're going into. Like, wh- what's the right balance here? This. Great question, because I actually got curious about that and also because I was so mired in banking and the financial sector that I decided to take a look at the tech sector and taught a course called Is the Internet Broken? 
just to kind of learn the set of rules, or for that matter, no rules, that uh, govern the, the internet. And so in the internet, we trusted markets to do sort of pressure on content moderation. We gave immunity to uh, so to uh, uh, platforms uh, from from content right. uh, reliability. And so they want the best of all worlds. On one hand, they say they're intermediaries in a platform like a telephone company. On the other hand, they're not media, so they don't right. need decency or any of that. And, and But by the way, they can read your email and then surveil you. All right, so a bunch of CEOs came out, Business Roundtable, and essentially said, not just about profits anymore. There were some people who said, huzzah, this is great. They're finally getting the joke. There were other people who said, you know what? It's hot air. It's empty promises. What do you make of it? Well, you know, I, nothing, shattering. <laughs> nothing, like nothing shattering happened to the stock price. So one, on one level, they were saying what they were already doing. Right. And so yeah. big deal. They just informed us that they're doing that. Um, you know, on the other hand, you have laws in Delaware and there started being a debate about what the law actually is for C corporations right. as right. opposed to, you know, they were not saying we're going to become benefit corporations, which are a legal thing, uh, but they'll need two thirds of shareholders to approve and all of that. Benefit corporations are actually doing all these things and are legally sort of permitted to do, right? yeah. to do all the, to take care of everybody. Now, what does it mean to take care of everybody? If it's a win, 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 then no problem, right? Everybody's happy. Right. You know, you take care of your customer for your shareholders because you want to be loved. All of those things, you know, would work anyway. So it's like, why do you need a statement to, to say right. that? So what was the content of the statement yeah. actually when it comes to, to conflicts of interest, to well, how much do you pay or whether you do or don't write the non-compete agreement or the, the, the mandatory arbitration right. or whatever else. I feel like there's a bigger issue. We're, we're running out of time, so we'll have to have you come back at some t uh, at some point. But I really do feel like it's a bigger issue of accountability kind of across all levels. We are living Key in this interesting time. Keyword. Where we don't know private and public and, and government corporations. How do you keep people with power accountable? Safe travels back home. Thank Not you. Not uh, She's, of course, professor of finance and economics at Stanford Graduate School of Business based in California in our New York studio on this Friday. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. All right, so fly like an eagle, or maybe in some cases, fly like a chief, because we're talking about John Owen. He's the CEO of Airshare, based out in Kansas City, Missouri. One of his customers is Patrick Mahomes, who uh, makes his living in the NFL. That's right. Uh, so... Great to have you here in New York City. We are both, I think it's fair to say, fascinated by this business because if you said to people a few years ago, maybe even five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly, you know, sort of private air travel is going to be much more accessible, much more flexible in a lot of ways. I'm not sure they might have believed you, but this is a business in many ways that's sort of having a moment. Why? It is. There's obviously a lot of models in private aviation. Ours specifically is a day-based model. Uh, we've been around about 20 years, and we sell days versus hours. What everybody's kind of accustomed to is buying a bucket of hours, and, and we sell days, which means uh, a lot of what we do caters to business customers yeah. uh, because we offer a couple different rates. Uh, you can go out and back in a day, or you can hit multiple locations in a day. The airplane also stays with you. A lot of other programs, an airplane may drop you off, and another airplane may pick you up later in the day. But with us, uh, you have full access to the plane and pilots that if you're going out for a particular uh, meeting in the middle of the day, and you say you want to leave your home at 8 o'clock and come back at 5 o'clock, 
well, the pilots are, are there waiting for you uh, whenever you're ready. So if the meeting gets home, done early, you call them on the way to the airport, go home by 1 o'clock. If you need to stay for dinner, you call them, tell them you're going to stay a little later. If you need to hit another location in a day, you can do that as well. So it, it really starts to feel like your airplane in our program. I'm in, John. I'm just going to say that. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm thinking? Whenever we do a segment like this, everybody always kind of messages us, um, emails us, and says, okay, so how much does this cost? Like how you know, accessible is it to most people? Give us an idea of the cost structure. I would say it's not an inexpensive way to travel, obviously, but it's really a necessary productivity tool for businesses. For us, it really depends on the way you want to fly. We operate two different airplanes in our fractional division, Phenom 100 and 300. They're both light jets, so they are a little more expensive than some of the big jets that you Mm -hmm. commonly see. Uh, For Phenom 100, which is a four-seat jet, we have a rate that's as low as $1,600 an hour if you're doing that round trip, which Mm -hmm. is, in this space, is extremely Extremely economical, yeah. right? Especially in compared to how many people in that plane? You uh, four, four, four to five. Yep. Okay. And so, how do you keep the cost low in the, in this situation? Because this is an area where it, it feels like the cost could could creep up pretty high. And let's be honest, it's it's not inexpensive to to just put these in the air to keep the pilots and and all of that, the maintenance, etc. No, and that's one of the huge differentiators between AirShare and everybody else is. The planes aren't moving around with nobody on it trying to pick up other people. So, again, the plane is yours for the day. You operate it exactly how you want it. You can add locations, take off locations. But if we take you out to, say, Denver for a meeting, that plane's sitting on the ground waiting for you. So it's not taking off to go fly somebody else. It's yours. It's yours. And there's not another airplane coming from another location to pick you up. So, you know, these planes aren't inexpensive to fly, even from a cost standpoint yeah so when that plane's sitting there it's not costing the company any money any any additional money so it's so we're not going to pass it on to you so our round trip rates which is what we call kind of the out and back or where you're doing it over a day or so are 40 percent discount off of what people see as the typical standard rates in private are you guys profitable oh yeah yeah, no, wow. we've, we've got a good business. We've, we've kind of been sitting in the United States for a long time. We've been around about 20 years, uh, only done the day-based model. We've revolutionized it over the last 20 years, and we kind of feel like we're the best-kept secret in private aviation. That's, you know, a big reason we're here today is to announce our expansion in the upper Midwest, which will include markets such as Chicago, Louisville, Cincinnati, uh, and then from there, we'd like to get into the Northeast and Southeast as well. Are most of your trips, John, like a half-a-day trip, or what are they typically? I'd say about 80% of our customers are businesses. Mm-hmm. So, and that translates into about two thirds of the flights being those round trip flights, those day based flights where they're out and back in a day or they're kind of running over, running around for four or five different locations over a couple of days. So look around the corner for us. What does private, private aviation, excuse me, look like in five, 10 years? Is it going to be much more widely uh, accessible? Is, is that even possible we have seen a lot of new entrants into the market over the last few years with a lot of different models you know shared seats Mm -hmm. uber type deals uh what we do is is exactly what we've done and always will do or you know it's we we uh cater to the really the business customer that that really needs the flexibility of that airplane throughout the day do you think in terms of uh, an economic downturn, this would not impact you guys? Uh, we So we've been around 20 years again. And so you've seen the financial we've crisis. We've seen it. We've been through it. What was and that we actually like? grew through it. You did. Because since we operate these lighter jets that are just a more economical way to travel, we get a lot of the filtering down from the bigger jet companies. Mm-hmm. And also, if, you, if you've got a business that owns their airplane and they go through a recession, well, 
they don't want to give away that productivity and that flexibility of, of using private jets. So they may sell their whole airplane and come to us for... Are you uh, seeing a lot more of that? I know coming off of the crisis, we definitely saw a lot of corporations, certainly those who had you know CEOs maybe testifying yes. uh, before lawmakers, but a lot of them saying, you know, we don't need to have a private jet. We don't need to own it. There's different ways of doing it. That's exactly right. We, we say the tipping point's about 250 hours. Okay. So if you, can, if you can fly at least 250 hours, it probably makes sense to own your own airplane but if not and you may need 50 hours or like in our case 20 days uh, and, and that's the other thing about our program is since you buy the day you get as many hours as you want right so 20 days if you're a customer that maybe have a three-hour flight to the west coast from from the center of the united states and a three-hour flight that's six hours so we commonly have customers with with what's commonly known as a share in our industry get 80 90 hours out of a share versus 50 hours is what you a lot of see interesting i don't right. think we could get this through uh TV. Yeah. yeah we can just, try yeah, yeah no exactly. i don't think we can yeah. <laughs> as much we'll say, as sweet you know, as it might keep but an eye can, on our expenses well, hey guys but we can work yeah, while exactly. we're on the we'll working. What, that's maybe it. we could even broadcast all right john owen ceo <laughs> of airshare based out in kansas city missouri here with us in new york city today